0: Well, good morning everyone and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. Happy Easter to one and all. It is Monday in this octave of Easter. It is also April 10th, but I'm choosing to focus on Monday in the octave of Easter and How great that is. Let's pray this morning. We pray our morning offering together in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a beautiful morning it is, uh, and not just because it is gorgeous outside, which it is. It's about 40-something degrees. The sun is shining. It's only going to get nicer today. I'm looking forward to grilling this afternoon, but our Lord has risen, and we remember that. We celebrate that in this season of Easter. You know, I went to confession Friday afternoon as part of Good Friday services, and there was some stuff. That I've been trying to get there for the past couple weeks, and every time I go, you know, I kind of fell into one of those ruts. That sometimes there were legitimate impediments, that you know, like something happened with the kids, and I had to take care of it. And other times, I was inventing impediments because I'm like, I really don't want to go. I I was falling into that. I'm confessing the same things, and then finally, it just like hit. It it hit me. It's Adam. He knows. He already knows what you did. So what what are you trying to hide from? You know, going back to in the garden, Adam, where are you? Well, I hid myself for I was naked and afraid. God knew where Adam was. God knew where Adam was. He wanted Adam to know where he was. He wanted Adam to recognize Adam's own location. So that was number one. And he goes, and number two, if you're not going to take this to confession, this is what hit me in prayer like a ton of bricks. If you're not going to take this to me in confession, then why are we even observing? Good Friday. Why are you even observing it, huh? And with that, I was like, all right, get in line and go. And a beautiful thing. I think there were about 50 of us in line from the outset. I have no idea how many came after that. But, wow, it was just a great thing to see 50 people in line. You know, the minute they said, line up, we were there. You know, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, You know, the other, I have lots of thoughts. We're going to have to go through them this week. We're not going to go through them all now. Uh, Some really great uh, prayer Saturday night at the vigil that I look forward to sharing with you. This week as well. And then yesterday, just a a blessed Easter Sunday with family. And, you know, we went to a park last night. I can't remember the last time we actually just went to a park and walked around and took pictures and, and it was gorgeous. More on that this week, too today on the show we 're going to be hearing about uh, the love of God, and you know the, the, I love that passage in uh, Saint Paul. What can separate us from the love of God? Father Hallowell is going to have a homily on that that we 're going to play for you also we 're going to be hearing from Father Schumacher on obeying god 's commands we 're going to hear from Father Rippiger on well, we've been talking about seven deadly sins, and we want to keep going through that. So today uh, we're going we're gonna to hear another one of the seven deadly sins and what we can do about that. And then finally, uh, we're going to visit with a deacon here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis when we talk about living out works of mercy. Deacon Dana Engelhart and his wife Chris are doing that in a pretty dramatic fashion. We're going to visit with him a little later on in the show as well. Plus, we've got some Easter music for you this morning. But before we get to any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts now for today's weather.
1: This is the feast day of St. Magdalene of Canossa. Born in Italy in 1774, she was the third of six children. Though she came from a wealthy family whose residence was Canossa Palace, she did not have an easy childhood. Her father died and her mother remarried. In her mid-teens, Magdalene decided to become a nun and twice tried to join the Carmelites, but she felt called to go out among and serve the poor. So she made up personal vow to follow Christ. Returning home to run the family estate, Magdalene would often leave and minister to the poor and sick, going to hospitals and their homes while also continuing to attend to the poor. After about a decade of this service, she opened her own home to those in need, teaching, instructing, and guiding them in their faith, and sharing her special devotion to the crucified and risen Lord. Eventually other women, joined Magdalene and a new congregation the Canossian Daughters of Charity or the Canossian Sisters was formed later she would add a similar congregation for priests and brothers she traveled across Italy opening houses in Venice Bergamo Milan and Trent all the while being guided by the Holy Spirit. Magdalene died on this day in 1835 and was canonized in 1988 by Saint Pope John Paul II. Saint Magdalene of Canosa, please pray for us. I'm Meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day.
0: Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Deacon Dana Engelhart and his wife, Chris, are residents of South St. Louis, Missouri, and he was in recently for our Radiothon, had a very inspiring story to share with our Radiothon listeners. So we thought, well, Deacon, let's have you come back on Roadmap to Heaven, and it's a joy to have you back with us today. It's always a pleasure. So the story you told, you and your wife, Chris, are very involved in many ministries at your local parish, and there's a, a lot of uh, immigrants that are in the area, especially in this part of South st louis and so one day you're at the parish like you are doing things that you normally do and you meet two cousins and there's something special that happens after this so tell us a little bit about this story of what happened that day
2: it was a day after christmas so it was the 26th of december and uh usually everything is closed so our parish was basically closed down um, all the agencies that are in our parish were closed down uh for the, the holiday week and uh but we decided that, that we were going to have a Bible study that Monday because we have a regularly scheduled Bible study, and I didn't want to go. And I woke up on that Christmas, or the day after Christmas, and it's like, I am really tired. I really do not want to do this. But my wife encouraged me, and we got together, and we decided to go ahead and, and uh, go to the Bible study. And it's in a, a portion of our parish where you know, we have to let people in the doors, so there's some glass doors. And so I was letting people in the glass doors and to, to attend the Bible study, and— um, Lo and behold, the taxi cab pulls up, and these two women get out with all their luggage. I have no idea who they're there to meet or what they're there to do, but I'm just not thinking that there's anything going on with that. And they approach the door, and they start talking to me, but they're talking in French. So, I I, I know a little bit of Spanish, but not very much. I'm trying to learn Spanish because of all the ministries in our parish. And uh, so, we kind of got an idea that they were looking for somebody or something, and so... um, It was like 26 degrees, so it was freezing cold out. And so they said, can we come in? I said, you may as well come in. What the heck? So we got them in the door and I think we finally figured out that they were looking for help. And they showed me something on their, um, their iPhones that they had and it listed Immigration Home. And it was Immigration Home English Language Program is what they pulled up on their phone. But they just saw Immigration Home, so they thought it was a place to go. So we sat down, we, we kind of chatted with them. We found um, using 211, dial 211, and we got some information. They said, hey, you need to probably contact the Haitian church. And so, because we can't really help you other than send them to a, a homeless shelter. We had no idea, what, and we had no idea really what they were talking about, because, again, English, they were not used in English. They were in French and Spanish. So um, we finally got in touch with a pastor of a Haitian church downtown, and he kind of chatted with them for a while, and then basically he told us, hey, now these guys are looking for a place to go, and so I call our, our pastor, and he was, in, of course, at home. And I said, "Hey, Father Mitch, I got these two people here. I don't know what to do with them. I have no idea. Um, and the only thing that people are telling me is to send them to a homeless shelter, you know, downtown, or to a warming shelter. And I said, I don't know. And so he he had suggested that maybe we can just put them up in a hotel, perhaps we can do that. And uh, yeah, but my wife was there, and. Uh, she was participating in the Bible study, and in this room with the Bible study, where they were sitting in were both kind of laying on the couches, relaxing, and um, they had coffee and cookies and s- refreshments there, and so they offered them that, and one of the girls just jumped up and started going at it, and she offered the other one, uh, she's, she said something in Creole and said, hey, how about you? And the other lady was just on the couch, and she just kind of waved her hand and laid back down. She was so tired. And so we come to find out that they'd been living in the bus station downtown for three days. And it was 26 degree weather over Christmas. And that little hand gesture that this lady made was enough to, for my wife to say, now we gotta take these people home. There's no way that we can put them in a hotel. They don't know English, they don't know where they're at. They have no idea what they're doing. And uh, try to go ahead and take care of whatever their immediate needs might be. And so that's how that started. And so we were introduced to Jeanette and Findia, uh, our two guests. And that started that whole adventure
0: trying to figure out what to do next and and it really is an adventure because this is pretty atypical a lot of us you know don't have the ability for lack of room in our house it's like where where would we put them but we are all called to these works of mercy among them you know feeding the hungry clothing the naked giving shelter to the homeless, and so you and your wife have done this extraordinary thing, and you come to find out more about Jeanette and Findia—that they're refugees from Haiti. They've been with you now for several months, and this is really an extraordinary opportunity to look at the graces. And this—this this is actually what I really want to talk about today, because we could—and—and and maybe for the podcast, if you can stick around for a little bit after the interview, we could talk a little bit more about the experience. Our Lord makes it very clear that when we do these things, yes, it's for the benefit of those we minister, but first and foremost. It's for our benefit encountering our Lord in those we minister to. So, I guess the question is: as you and Chris have gone into this radical living of the works of mercy, how has that changed you? how How have you encountered Christ, and how have you been transformed by that?
2: I think it, uh, it. It. And I think my wife would probably say the same thing: is you just view people totally differently. I mean, when we uh, we immigrations and immigration issues and immigrants were not on our radar at all, at all. When, when uh, before we met these two folks, and we've become steadily educated for sure in, in uh, that whole process. But again, it makes you think about how each and every one of these individuals is a child of God, and that is just that's such an awesome thing. They've all been God has called them all to be somewhere, and they all have a mission in life, and uh, and we're just just so proud to be part of whatever mission that God has in store for those guys.
0: Beautiful. Well, Deacon, thank you so much for sharing this story with us. I hope you have a few minutes to stick around after the show. We can talk more about the uh, what's transpired between Christmas and now. That'd be uh, great for our podcast listeners. In the meantime, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere.
3: A prayer to St. Joseph. O oh, blessed Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, protector of thy chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God. I choose Thee this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor Thee all the days of my life. Therefore, I humbly beseech Thee to receive me as Thy client, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, to obtain for me and for all the knowledge and love of the heart of Jesus, and finally to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen.
0: Our catechist question is actually about today and tomorrow. In fact, all of the days through next Sunday as we are in the octave of Easter. Liturgically speaking and devotionally speaking in our daily living, what? how do we celebrate these days in terms of is today just a, a ferial day, a regular day? Is today a memorial? Is today a feast day? Is today a solemnity How do we regard the octave of Easter? Well, going back to the earliest of times, we hold today to be a solemnity. In fact, all of the days within the octave of Easter are treated as an extension of Easter Sunday itself. We celebrate today what we celebrated beginning with the Holy Vigil. Uh, And and celebrating yesterday on Easter Sunday. It's an extension going through to Divine Mercy Sunday, the second Sunday of Easter. In fact, if you were to look at the table of liturgical days in order of preference, according to their preference, the only things above today... In precedents in the liturgical year are the Paschal Triduum of the Passion and Resurrection of the Lord, the Nativity of the Lord, the Epiphany, Ascension, Pentecost, Sundays of Advent, Lenten, Easter, Ash Wednesday, weekdays of Holy Week, and days within the octave of Easter. This is about this is uh, of the three categories: category one, subcategory two. You know, all of those are on the same footing right there. But we regard this day as a solemnity. So if you go to mass, you'll hear the Gloria. And 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 what a great thing, what a beautiful thing it is to hear the glory. So celebrate. You know, don't be cultural and say, "Well, Easter is yesterday." Taking the decorations, put everything away. It's time to get ready for the next holiday. No, it's still Easter. Let's celebrate. Let's be Catholic. Let's also get you one more check of the weather here, and then the daily dose of encouragement.
3: Invocation of the nine choirs of angels. O holy angels, watch over us at all times during this perilous life. O holy archangels. Be our guides on the way to heaven. O heavenly choir of the principalities, govern us in soul and body. O mighty powers, preserve us against the wiles of the demons. O celestial virtues, give us strength and courage in the battle of life. O powerful dominations, obtain for us dominion over the rebellion of our flesh. O sacred thrones, grant us peace with God and man. O brilliant cherubim, Illumine our minds with heavenly knowledge. O burning seraphim, enkindle in our hearts the fire of charity. Amen.
0: Last week was certainly a somber yet beautiful week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, but this week is promising to be a very joyful one as we begin this Easter season together. Patty Schneier, it's always good to be with you.
4: Well, happy Easter to you, Adam, and to all our listeners. This week, we've got to unpack the beautiful Easter gospel stories, and I'm going to do it from a different lens. I'm going to take certain people and just focus on them a little bit. Today, I want to talk about the guards, the guards who are the soldiers guarding Jesus's tomb. And this comes from from Matthew 28, verse 2, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to, came to the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, approached, rolled back the stone, and sat upon it. The guards were shaken with fear of him and became like dead men. Notice, I mean, I, I guess that means they fainted, right? If they became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know you are seeking Jesus, the crucified. He's not here. For he has been raised just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And then later in the chapter, this is what I want to focus on. Here's what it says. Some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests all that had happened. They assembled with the elders and took counsel. Then they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him while we were asleep. The soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. Oh, I pondered at this. I really I I read this and I thought, "Wow, how could they do that?" And then I thought to myself, "You know what? It can be so tempting to tell a different narrative than what we know to be true." about Jesus in our own lives, how he saved us from sin, how he's alive in our life. We temper our joy. We temper our enthusiasm of the faith in order to do what? To fit in, to not look weird or at work or at school, right? To fit in. We might have experienced true miracles in our life, true healings, true divine interventions, but we don't talk like that around nonbelievers. We become the guards. I think all of us have been guilty of this at some time. We may not have taken money to keep quiet, but we keep quiet. So this is Easter season. Let's be bold. Let's be intentional and wish people a happy Easter. Let's decorate our homes with religious Easter symbols, not just bunnies. And again, we're talking now we're in the octave of Easter here. Let's ask friends and family members, how have you experienced the power of the resurrection in your life? You know, let's be bold about it. Let's not be those guards who just took the money and were silent and did not share what they knew to be true what they saw what they experienced with their own
0: eyes you make me think of those characters in the gospel from the healings in particular where our lord said don't tell anyone what you just saw and they couldn't help but run off and tell everyone what they just saw i want to be more like them and and less like the guards patty thank you for this encouragement We want to let you know if you're in the St. Louis metro area and you are a young adult that tonight, as part of the Eucharistic Revival, there is going to be a Eucharistic procession and concert at St. Louis University. This is presented by the Office of Young Adult Ministry, STL Young Adults, here in the Archdiocese. Uh, There will be the procession beginning at 5 p.m., and then a free concert afterwards. And I believe Mass is included in that. For more information, you can visit stlyoungadults.org. That's stlyoungadults.org. And uh, actually, that's the wrong web. You know what? Go to com slash Roadmap Radio, and we'll get it for you. That's where we know we can put it, com slash Roadmap Radio. I want to thank you for tuning in this morning. And I just want to remind you, as we said in the catequist, celebrate the joy of Easter um, all week. Celebrate the joy of of Easter all, all week long. You know, tonight we're going to grill up some special stuff. We ate so much for brunch yesterday. We ended up having just the simplest of dinners because we didn't want to overindulge. And we said, well, what about the stuff we bought for Easter dinner? Well, it's still Easter on Monday. Let's cook it Monday. Beth's off work today. The kids are off school today. I'll get out of work this afternoon. We'll have a little cookout. You know, it'll be a good time. Do those things. Take those, take the time to do those things. And uh, really make it something special. Don't forget that we pray the Regina Chaley now, too. That, see, I just gave you tomorrow's catequiz, possibly. Uh, in, in lieu of the Angelus, we pray the Regina Chaley. It's a beautiful prayer. And something, you know, we've been doing every night when we put the, the two littlest girls to bed, you know. Just like they, they would protest, oh, I need a drink of water. Oh, I didn't brush my teeth. Anything to get out of going to bed. It's If we forget the prayers, oh, my goodness, stop the world. And it's a good thing, too. I'm glad that they say, hey. I can't go to bed, Dad. We didn't do the prayers. I love that. We've been not only praying the prayers, but then finding musical versions of the prayers. Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep and also Angel of God, My Guardian, Dear, and just taking that time to be together, and we pray, and then we listen to the songs. We'll do that with the Regina Chaley. There are so many great musical settings out there of the Regina Chaley. I prefer the one by Antonio Lotti, but there's, I mean, there's a lot. Mozart has a great one. There's just so many of them out there. Uh, Rejoice though that's the, the, the rejoice queen of heaven the regina chaley because your son is not dead he is risen alleluia alleluia it's a beautiful beautiful prayer you know what let's pray to close out the show together in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen all glory be to the father into the son into the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen Mary, Queen of Heaven, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we've got more Easter goodies uh, in the basket, shall we say, this week on Roadmap to Heaven. You'll have to tune in for those. In the meantime, from all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven. Have a happy, blessed joy-filled octave of easter and especially as we rejoice with the blessed mother praying those glorious mysteries do not forget to pray your rosary today So for our podcast listeners, Deacon Dana Engelhart was on the show with us this morning. We were talking about an adventure that began at Christmas time for he and his wife Chris with two cousins, Jeanette and Findia, who were refugees from Haiti. They had come to St. Louis, uh, Deacon. If I remember from the show correctly, they were living in the bus station downtown for three days, and then by way of a website and a little misunderstanding, ended up at the door of your parish the day after Christmas, whenever, you know, nothing's going on except a Bible study, that you didn't want to be there, but you but you made the choice to be there not knowing what God was going to work much more than a Bible study that day. That's truly true, 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 true. <laughs> um, and you meet these two cousins, and, you know, again, just to, to quickly summarize here, um, they were looking for shelter, and you and your wife, after speaking with your pastor and speaking with a couple different places that you were able to get a hold of on the day after Christmas, decide to welcome them into your home. What were you thinking at that point? Like, we're just going to have them for a few nights until we can figure this out? You know, h- how does that go from then until now? Here we are in April.
2: Right. I, I think that's probably really what we uh, planned on was, you know, we'll bring them to the house, we'll make sure they're safe and secure, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure out where they need to go next. Um, and we found out that there's no immigration homes. <laughs> so, there is no, nothing set up for immigrants who are homeless in St. Louis. There's just nothing. So once we've kind of ventured down that path, we said, okay, we have to do something. We have to think about what we're going to do. And every agency that you can imagine to assist was closed until January 3rd. So every, every place we called basically said, "Up, oh, you know, we can make you an appointment, but it has to be after January 3rd or we'll get voicemail or whatever. So we said, okay, we got a week, week and a half. We'll figure out what we're going to do. And then, as we journeyed down this path, we found out again there's no place for them to really to be to be housed anywhere. Um, it's just going to be uh, whatever uh, folks can provide for those guys or we could they were supposed to go to New York is where their sponsor was listed and people said just send them off to New York and uh, we again, we just didn't think that was a really good plan. They didn't want to go to New York number one um, and they could change that uh, that that location if they wished. We found out later so we decided to, okay, we'll see where this is going to go. Um, when we were talking to guys at St. Francis Community Center, um, again, they kind of told us that's the information they provided us, and, and they said, unless you're interested in the long haul. And I said, maybe we are. Maybe we are interested in the long haul. Maybe we, if there's nothing that we can do immediately for these folks, maybe we need to just sit there. And so me and my wife prayed about it, and we, we discussed it over and over about what we wanted to do. And we just basically decided that this is... The right thing to do. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. I mean, this is help them out as much as they possibly want, and we always give them the option. All the, we talk to them all the time. We say, "Hey, you know, anytime you want to pick up and leave, you feel free to leave because you're not you're not bound by anything." So it, it's been an interesting haul, and and, and really, once we uh, told the, the representative there at St. Francis, I was like, "Hey, yeah, we're in it for the long haul." Uh, some of the attitudes kind of changed about you know how how we're going to address these guys and how what they can do for them, and and. I guess it wasn't necessarily a, a change in attitude, maybe for them, but maybe for us, because uh, you know we had to come to that conclusion that we were gonna we we're gonna commit, and once they realized that we they had people that wanted to commit, um, then that relationship becomes a little stronger, I think.
0: I would imagine that changes some of as it's you dynamic. said changes some of the attitudes because you figured out probably one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle that needs to be figured out. We we've got these two cousins looking for services. Uh, You know, and and again, I I, want to be very clear about this. When we pay attention to what's happening on a a global level, you know, we're so comfortable sometimes in our own little micro level here in our homes and in our parishes. Uh, There's so much turmoil there. So I can understand them coming here to the United States. But then the question becomes, where are they going to live? Um, Because. That is a big big question mark that has to be figured out. Some of these other things, once you have that, I would imagine the rest kind of like dominoes starts falling into place. Well, now that we know they're going to live with the deacon and his wife, then we can line up this service and this service and this service and this service because we know where they will be. Right. An interesting fact about this is
2: the government, U.S. government, is allowing all these folks to come across the border. But they are seeking asylum. Base. They're asylum seekers. And so... um the government allows them to come in, allow, basically gives them, and I'll probably be wrong, but a year or so to be in the United States for them to uh, mm-hmm. continue in the asylum process, to apply for asylum, and then, um, then you're done. So um, they don't allow them to really uh, work uh, for the first six months that they're here, so they have to go on public assistance, they have to get food stamps, um, or they can pay this, these crazy amounts of money to to actually get a work permit um, and start right away. But again, that still takes four to six months regardless of when you do it. Um, And um, everybody kept telling us, don't apply for that work permit yet because it's, you know, at 500 bucks a pop, where is somebody going to come up with 500 bucks, really? I mean, we could have done that, but um, I guess that wasn't the point. The point was that it it seems like a, a, a process that is not conducive <laughs> to people wanting to be in the United States.
0: Well, and, and on top of all of that, you have the language barrier. Because right. as you mentioned in the interview, that you have uh, Jeanette and Finia who speak primarily French, right? a little bit of Spanish. You you speak a very little right. amount of Spanish. And so, you know, it, how do you have this conversation and how do you navigate, okay, you need to go here and you need to fill this out? and. I imagine that that was a, a pretty big hurdle at the beginning as well as you're trying to figure all of this out is now how do we effectively communicate here's our thought here's what we think would make a good plan what do you think of this plan and not have everything lost in translation
2: and i don't remember who it was that we talked to but somebody asked us well at one point in the beginning he said well are you using google translate on your phone it's like uh, google translate what's that and so we found google translate on there and that's how we, we we talk most of the time is through Google Translate. They speak French, but most of their main language is French Creole. They both know French. Uh, one knows Spanish and can read and write Spanish. I think the other one reads and writes French. And the other and and uh, Jeanine also knows Portuguese. So and they're learning English, and it's like they're very. It's so impressive to see somebody who knows so many languages when we don't. So we 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 are trying always to to uh, help them with their English and to learn a little bit more about the languages that they speak. So
0: I would imagine when you preach a homily about the works of mercy, you know, or, or Matthew 25, when you did this for the least, you did this for me. When you didn't do it, you didn't do it for me. It's very easy to speak in the abstracts, you know, that we have an obligation to do this. We have a calling to do that. But here you are living it in the day today. What is it, you know, if you could go back to perhaps the first homily you ever gave on Matthew 25 or on, on the Beatitudes or on the works of mercy, what is it you wish you would have known then that you know now? I,
2: I, well, we've, I think our family has always, and this be me and my wife and, and our kids, we've always kind of been open to folks and being able to assist them and try to help them out with what, they, what other folks need. So we've always kind of stressed that in our family. We've always been St. Vincent de Paulers. We've always been trying to assist with that kind of stuff. But I think this puts a real. I mean, even if you were with Vincent de Paul and you you see you can experience that, it's you still have that wall there. I think that is between you and them, right? You and the person you're assisting. Um, but in this one, they're living right there. So I mean, that there is no wall. I mean, whatever um, you see, this human aspect of of this God's creation is right there. As one of God's children, and I think that really makes a difference in how you approach what people may need or how they feel or what they, um, where they're going um, on a day-to-day basis. You're just right there and you're just trying to assist and minister to them in any way you possibly can so that, uh, you know, they can get over these high roads or the the low roads, really or the low, low portions, because, you know, when we talked to an, a, an attorney and well, we've talked to several attorneys since then, um, and they basically say, up, oh, uh, nope, it's not going to work. We can't help you. See you later. Goodbye. And, um, these girls are listening to this. I mean, they, they came to the United States to, 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 to live here to prosper, because everywhere they've lived so far has not been prosperous at all. And uh, to be able to give them a personal leg up for that is just awesome, but that also feeds into this homily, this ability to do homilies, because you just you, you can see uh, these, you see folks through a, a new set of eyes, I think. Is really how it is, and and you see the gospel, and and the sometimes through the eyes of Christ, I'd have to say, you see, it's where God is looking at somebody. Jesus is looking at these folks and and has pity on them. It's like, oh man, my heart goes out to these folks in in just that
0: way. So, um. I'm reaching for my missile here because there's a prayer. That's that's not the right one. Uh, there's a prayer in the mass. You probably actually know it because of the uh, the, the your service at the altar. But when the water and wine right. are mixed, um, it, it's to the effect of, by the mingling of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divan- divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. You right? Got it. right. And so here you're you're I mean you're seeing the humanity of Christ, how he's humbled himself to to be present to you. In your life, and that's something you kind of touched on briefly in what you were just saying. That I'd, I'd like to go a little bit further because it is very easy, you know, for me to write a check and put it in the envelope for the special collection for this, or there's the fundraiser for that, and I'll make a donation to that, or, or even I, and not to, uh, not to knock any of these programs. I know here, uh, my my mother in law, she does the casserole program for the St. Patrick Center, which is a homeless shelter for our podcast listeners outside of. St. Louis, and, and, and many great things. But again, it kind of separates us. There's an insulating wall. And I have a, a good friend who, he makes it a point, he takes his children to the soup kitchen. like They go to serve meals, to bus tables, to have fellowship. And he does that specifically because he wants his family to be engaged face-to-face with those they serve. Again, going back to something we said earlier, knowing that while it is for the benefit of those who are served... The you know, and I think that Saint Vincent de Paul said something to this effect: It's primarily for our benefit to encounter Christ in them. We are sanctified; yep. um, we're made better mm-hmm. by this. How am you know? Y- your eyes now again are seeing this in a way that none of us could. How do you feel about that statement that it's important for us to engage on a human level and not behind these insulated walls? With, to the with those we serve when possible?
2: I, I think that. <laughs> Whenever you get the opportunity to do that, I would take it. That's that's what I would say. So that you can you can actually experience Christ in a different in a different way, and and again see those folks through Christ's eyes. I think it's just um, it's just an amazing thing to be able to look at look at somebody and see them for who they are, not just objects or not just numbers on a tally sheet or pictures in a paper, but they're actually physical human beings and they have. Their wants and their likes and their, their desires, and we just need to be able to relate to them on, on a human one-on-one basis. I think it's just uh, that has probably been the most uh, exciting thing, I think, that we've really learned. And I say it's exciting because you get to learn what people's lives are like outside of our our little shells here in in St. Louis, right? Um, there, People are really out there and really looking even though we may not hear it every day on, on the radio, but people are looking to the United States as, as a place where people can prosper and become, find those comforts in life like a house with a roof, right? Or food every day that you can go to the supermarket and shop every day, um, or water that comes out of a tap. I mean, all those things we take for granted that just are, are just non-existent in so many places. And it's just an honor to, to be able to help somebody and have that ability to, to have that kind of stuff. <laughs>
0: Among the graces that sometimes we're blessed with are consolations. You know, you do something and our Lord gives you just – it could be a very simple consolation. But I would imagine, you know, here you welcome two strangers into your home. Uh, they're from a different culture. They're a the different way of life. What's something that you've been exposed to that you're like, wow, that's actually – you know, like I never would have thought of that on my own or I never would have experienced that on my own. Mm-hmm. But I'm really glad to have met these two people because they – you know, whether it's from that French Creole culture mm-hmm. or, or whatnot – have probably exposed you and Chris to new things.
2: A lot of cooking for sure, and they like to cook, which is just an awesome thing. So so we uh, we experience different uh, French Creole or Haitian dishes all the time, which is always exciting. Um, and we never say no if they want to cook. You can do whatever you want. And that's uh, the other thing is we've given them liberty in our house just to say, hey, this is your house now too. whatever's here is yours. Whatever, whatever you want, you can have. But um, uh, the interesting thing is just seeing how gracious very gracious people can be I mean they if you give them if you give one of these girls something or give them the opportunity to do something they are so gracious and uh, and I think a lot of people that we know or we encounter are just oh no I don't need that I don't want that or you know they're trying to be polite even though they may need that thing um, or object or whatever um, but these guys they accept accept things and they're just so gracious about it It just uh, it 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 gives you a sense that there's, the sense of humanity is out there still. And uh, we just keep praying that they're gonna focus on, on what they see and experience in, in our household, in our parish, because we have them, uh, they help me, uh, uh, we, clean, we clean all the spaces in the parish. So we go up there every three or four days a week and we're cleaning uh, the buildings and stuff like that. And they help me out and I think they get to see the parish and how it operates and um, it's just a great experience
0: for those guys. Have they become part of the parish family?
2: Not quite yet, because they just, they haven't, again, they don't speak English, so going to an English Mass, I don't know, is going to, is going to be helpful. I think one of, one of the girls is Catholic, I don't know about the other one, I don't think the other one is Catholic. But um, they may not have become a part of the parish family, but the parish has become part of their family. So. People are always asking me every place, every time we have a meeting, every time we, maybe even after mass or after um, some kind of organizational meeting or whatever, people ask me, hey, how the how are the girls doing? What's going on with them? You know, oh, here's some gift cards to make sure that they uh, can get what they need or, or the parish is really behind them 100%. So it's just really awesome that people will, and the St. Vincent de Paul too, hey, you guys need anything? You know, we're ready, we're here. Father Mitch, hey, you need something? Just ask me. And the other organization, as well as the uh, the new ministry on uh, refugee and immigrant assistance, which Father Mitch and uh, uh, Sister Jen, oh Kasani, I think is her name from St. Pius, they're starting starting this organization up, and those guys too. Hey, what do you need? You know, what can what can we do for you? Um, is there anything we can possibly provide? And but when parishioners come and they just stop you and they say, Hey, you know, what do you what do you, how are the girls? What's going on with them? What's 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 their story? Um, it's just an awesome thing that they are part of. Parish knows who they are and they are just all in support of them.
0: Last question. You know, and this has been a wonderful conversation. We're, we're talking about some of the highlights. I'm sure there have been difficulties along the way. There have been frustrations with the process, you know, making the phone call. Can you help? No, we can't help. So on and so forth. And, and, or, you know, just the perils of speaking into a phone to translate from this language to that. Sometimes that probably doesn't work as well as it could. Amid all of this, and um, in, in what began with a taxi pulling up to a Bible study the day after Christmas, do you think you and your wife could have done any of this if it weren't for your faith?
2: I, I don't think so. I think I think God plays a lot into it, and 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 again, looking at folks um, at their worst and just trying to say, okay, you know, these guys, they, the Lord Lord had led us to where we were at, so. Uh, the Lord, my wife always says, "Hey, the Lord led these guys to our house." So wherever, whatever this, wherever this goes, is where the Lord has taken this thing. So um, we're just going to hang on and see where the Lord takes us. We'll do what we can and see where the Lord leads us to to assist these guys in whatever they're doing. But you know, He's in control. So um, I think um, I I think our faith really has played a huge role in in how how much help we can give to folks. And I think. I truly believe that it's in everybody. Everybody has that same ability to do it in whatever way they think they can. But um, it, everybody has this ability to say, "Hey, here's somebody who who's a, a child of God, and that needs me to help them along to do something, and God is pointing me to do whatever that is, and then uh, and then He'll take it from there. It's not me; it's Him. So it's always an awesome thing."
0: All right. Well, Deacon Dana Englehart, thank you for coming in to be on the show today, and for sticking around to be on the podcast and a great inspiring story from you and your wife, Chris, really challenging me. And and I'm thinking about things with my family now, like what can we do? What, What more can we do? And it's really been great. So this wraps up our Roadmap to Heaven podcast today. We brought you a little bit extra. Um, you want to tell everybody to click like and subscribe, Deacon. You can do that for me today.
2: Yes, always click like and subscribe if you uh, you appreciate this podcast and it's awesome. It's very awesome. So you heard
0: it. You heard it from the Deacon right there. Click like and subscribe, and uh, we'll be back with more Roadmap to Heaven tomorrow.